Hallelujah. I'm grateful to be in the house of the Lord. Thankful for the presence of God. So grateful also for the anointing, the Spirit of the Lord that we felt in this house all week long. Amen. In the service at night, in the morning service as well. We appreciate uh, Brother Gobble preaching his heart out. He preached this morning the fruit of affliction. Yeah. And God certainly met us in these altars this morning <clears throat> as he has every service. And I just appreciate what God is doing. Listen, listen, listen. If some people have their way, I don't know how many more camp meetings we'll get to have like this. Y'all hearing me? I want us to take advantage of where we are right now. Don't miss an opportunity because I can promise you if some people have their way, meetings like this will be closed down forever. Amen. And I just want to make sure that we, as Pastor said, appreciate what God has done for us. What he's, a gift, what he's given to us and allowed us to have. <clears throat> and uh, I appreciate him having this camp meeting and uh, appreciate him inviting me to be a part of it. It's not often that I get to preach with my friends and uh, be in church with them and with you. And I sure have enjoyed being with you, JP, and all of the ministers and folks that are here. Good to have my wife with me. And uh, also, uh, Clay Milburn from up around North Carolina. I haven't got him run off yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I promise you, if I wanted to run him off, I could. <laughs> so you just, uh, you'll get to hear from him maybe tomorrow night. And uh, can I preach yeah, a simple message on this Wednesday night. Would you be all right with that? I, I have wrestled all afternoon and wrestled and wrestled. And I thought, Lord, this message is too simple for a camp meeting. It's just too simple for a camp meeting. And I tried to force God's hand and I can tell you God ain't interested in what I want. But something happened and somebody decided somewhere around 5.30 or 5.40 that you were going to be here tonight. I don't know who you are, but whenever you made the decision to be here tonight, that's when God solidified what I'm supposed to preach in this service. So I know when God gives a message like this, it will be simple, but it is for somebody specific tonight. Amen and amen. Romans chapter number five, verse number eight. Romans chapter number five, verse number eight. Hallelujah. When you get there, stand with us quickly for the reading of God's word. There's nothing any greater than this book that you hold in your hand. The written form.
form of God. <clears throat> it says, but God commended his love to us that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In verse number 19, it says, for as one man's obedience, many were made sinners. Excuse me. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, How many had some sin that abounded in your life? Where sin abounded, <clears throat> grace did much more abound. Hallelujah. That as sin had reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you just for a few minutes tonight a message entitled, Not Guilty. Would you stretch your hands this way? Pray that God would touch us. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the marvelous touch of God that we felt all through this meeting this week. And God, we pray. Come on, church, lift your voice and pray. God, we pray right now. atmosphere, that God you begin to sit in the pews with every person in this house, that God you begin to move mightily, mightily, that God you would save the sinner that is nearest hell. You've come here tonight to save the lost. I pray that Lamb of God, you would do that work that only you can. We're here. God, to see your hand at work, deliver souls tonight. Anoint us to preach. Let my mind be clear. Every word come from your throne. Let every thought be held captive by your spirit. And God, we're going to praise you for that anointing to preach. In Jesus' marvelous name. And everyone that loved him shouted amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah to God. We also want to say welcome to Brother and Sister Talbert. Amen. We love them so very much and prayed for you every day, every day, that God would raise you up. And on the day that they put the, the video on Facebook where he got out of that wheelchair and walked, Whew. Brother, I wept and shouted in my office. I about tore the books off the shelf. When I saw God do what he said he would do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a miracle working God. I had a couple in my church that uh, when Brother Talbert first came to preach for us, they, 
they, they're old time wholeness folk. I'm talking about no frills, no nothing. They don't believe in TV, none of that stuff. They just strict as they come and live their whole life that way. It wasn't that that was a, they weren't hypocrites. They lived it. They believed it. Brother Talbert came and preached a message. I, don't, I think it's a goat on a rope. I believe that's what it was. Is that it? Goat on a rope and, and monkey turned loose. And I'm trying to remember all of them. The shipwreck I remember specifically. And yeah, a rooster. Yeah, that's the one, the rooster. I don't know what he was, but anyway, this old couple never, ever bought CDs or tapes or anything like that. They bought that entire set of tapes. I went over to their house to check on them one evening. It was about 6 or 7 o'clock, and both of them were in that house, and I heard them both just laughing, just cutting up laughing. They're in their late 80s, just laughing and cutting up, and I heard a racket in that house. And I thought that they had bought a television. I was floored. I went up and I, they were in that house laughing and that <clears throat> sounded like a TV going. And i be honest with you, Brother JP, I didn't knock on the door to start with. I just listened to see what I could find out. <laughs> Before I was a preacher, I was a member of the HBI the Holiness Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> and uh, I listened in the, into that window and I couldn't make it out. So finally I started beating on the door. In just a minute, you heard them stop laughing. You heard that TV, so I thought it was, turned off. They come to the door just as solemn, hey pastor, how are you doing? Come on in, we'll make a cup of coffee. And I went in. And I looked, went in that living room, Brother Presbyter. I wanted to know where the TV was. I, I didn't know what they had. And I said, well, I thought I heard some racket going on when I came in this house. And they said, oh, we was listening to Brother Talbert preach on that rooster. <laughs> Their entertainment was listening to Brother Talbert after the revival was over with. I'm telling you, that's all they knew, and that they listened to that message for years and years. Matter of fact, they just cleaned that house out. Both of them's gone to heaven now, and they found that message. And her son asked me, said, "You know this David Talbert? They got more tapes of him than anybody." Amen. I said, "Well, if you got any there, give them to me." Praise God. So we we're thankful for the ministry and the miracle of God Almighty in His life. I want to preach to you not guilty tonight. I haven't, uh, I haven't had the, the tapes with me this week. They are out, I believe, Seth. Are they on the table or will be? After service, they'll be ready for you. There's preaching tapes. There's singing tapes. I'm no good at selling tapes. I, I never have been good at it. But all of the monies that you give to that helps our media department, and we are in desperate need of new television equipment, and we're in need of new sound system. And uh, that's where it goes. So I'd, I'd love for you to be a be blessed and be a blessing. The, any preaching tape that you buy is $20 each. The music CD is 10 I pray God's blessings be on you. Amen. Not guilty. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. 
Moreover, the law entered in that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans 5, 8, it, it says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, when we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we shall also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I want to preach to you not guilty. Friend, there's one thing I suppose that would be the greatest feeling in the world for a sinner to hear the words not guilty. Amen. I have, we have started a ministry in our church, and we are working with a team called Restoration of Hope. And these men have come out of prison, some of them 40-year prison terms, some of them five years, some of them 10 years. Amen. You say, you mean to tell me you bring an ex-cons into your church? I'll bring more than an ex-con in there. They'll come in there. Amen. And uh, there's one particular gentleman uh, that was in prison for 42 years. Uh, and finally, after 42 years, uh, they have... Uh of being in there, and I've listened to his testimony over and over again. Uh, he's talked to me from time to time. His name is Isaiah Hill, and he goes to our church, and he, he began to talk to me about uh, what had happened. And he told me, Pastor, uh, he said, I'm going to tell you the truth now. Uh, he meant this, he's a black gentleman, and he just tells you like it is. He said, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, they put me in jail for 42 years, uh, and they said that I stole a car and that I hurt a woman in her house. Uh, he said, Pastor, I'm going to just fess up. Uh, he said, I stole that car. He said, I did that. Uh, he said, I stole that car. It was wrong. Uh, I should have never done that. Uh, I was dealing drugs uh, and got sideways on money uh, and I needed money fast or the ones that I had to pay for the drugs, uh, they were going to get me. I stole that car. He said, but pastor, uh, I never went in that house and hurt nobody. Uh, he said, there wasn't nobody home. Uh, he said that I told them that, uh, but they didn't believe me. Uh, they just arrested a black man, uh, put me in jail so that everybody would be happy. Listen, if you did something wrong enough to go to jail, that's where you need to be. Come on now. But friend, I can tell you that this gentleman in that 42 years for stealing a car, amen, he began to find the Lord Jesus Christ and maintained his innocence on hurting that woman. He said, I never did it. I, there's nobody in that house. I stole keys and I stole a car and I got out of there. He maintained that for 42 years. After 42 years of being in prison and some of the atrocities that was taking place uh, on that man's life. Uh, even you don't want to hear it. Uh, it was awful. Some of the things uh, that they did to that man, they beat him, uh, abused him. Uh, even he said, you either joined a gang uh, or you were beat on each side. Uh, he said, I stayed in my cell uh, and never wanted to go out, but they made me go. Uh, he said, I suffered uh, abuse under the hands uh, of the handlers uh, and the security guards are in that place. Uh, he went on and on told me things uh, that just about broke my heart uh, for this man. He said, after 42 years, uh, the 
Italy uh, had uh, something had happened in that jail uh, that was so terrible uh, that the warden uh, had to secret him out uh, of that jailhouse uh, and send him somewhere else. Uh, you see, God knows uh, how to get you out of the place of despair. Uh, he been back on the road to recovery. Say amen. He got him out of that jail cell uh, and he put him down in Houston somewhere uh, and they hid him out almost uh, like an internal prison uh, uh, in a witness protection program. Uh, he got down there and met a lady uh, that was over all that prison system. Uh, somehow he met her uh, even as they were bringing him in. Uh, she got interested in his story uh, and then she said, you know what? Uh, for some reason, uh, I believe you. Uh, he said, she said, I've had so many uh, to tell me when they come to prison uh, that they're not guilty uh, till it doesn't even faze me. Uh, she said, but something about you, sir. Uh, I'm going to uh, put a, a lawyer on your case again. Uh, after 42 years, uh, that man finally went into court. Uh, after serving a sentence of 42 years, uh, he walked in and tears began to run down that man's face. Uh, welled up. Uh, he's been out of jail now for years. Uh, he came and said uh, that I walked in before that judge in that black robe. Amen. He looked at me and said, Mr. Hill, I am pleased to inform you that of the charges, amen, that you were charged with, you are not guilty. He said, Pastor, even that was to that day the greatest feeling that I'd ever had in my life. He said, I turned around and looked at the bailiffs. I looked at my family and I asked them, can I go home? They all just put their hand out like that said, you can go out. You're going to be transferred out. You can go home. You're not guilty. He said that was the greatest feeling of my, of my life until about three years ago. Amen. Amen. Before that this happened, I heard that man, the judge, let me out. And I told him I will never be back in this prison again. You can, you can rest assured that I'll never come back. He said, but I got out. I tried to do it on my own. I still felt empty. He said, but then I met a man that told me about Jesus. He said, I began to listen to the story of that man that suffered, bled, and died on my stead. He said, I bowed these black knees down before a man that said he could save me. And then all of a sudden, he said, it was almost like I heard the voice of of heaven that looked down at me and said, Isaiah Hill, I pronounce you not guilty. Friend, I want to tell you, when he told me that, I began to feel the power of God. It's one thing to hear a judge say not guilty, but it's another thing to hear Christ, the Son of the living God, tell you you're not guilty. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. I don't, I don't know how people can contain their self when they hear the words, I forgive you. Hallelujah to God. You see, whenever I think of those words, I think about what he forgave me of. I think about what he forgave me from. Amen. You got your stuff. I got my stuff. But when you hear that you are forgiven of all of that, doesn't it make you want to rejoice just a little bit? Doesn't it make you want to shout a little bit? Thank God I don't have to carry that wrath. I don't have to carry that hate. I don't have to carry that sin. 
sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah to God. You see, picture with me this courtroom. The air is tense on this particular day. Our day in court had come and the list of charges was as long as eternity itself. Our defense was full of holes. There was no doubt what the verdict would be. The judge of all the ages sat at the judicial desk and with a gavel in hand ready to pound finality into this whole thing. Amen. The prosecutor, the devil, had done his homework and I was trapped with my back against the wall, guilty as charged. He began to spew out accusation against me that were at the least embarrassing. Have you ever had things that were said about you that were true and embarrassed the daylights out of you. I have. So have you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It might be folk. There might be people in this house that tonight when they walked in, you looked at them and you begin to perceive that they're holy people. They're good folk. But everybody that's holy tonight had to come to an altar one time or another and bow same Jesus that I did to the same Jesus that Isaiah Hill did and friend when you bow your knee to the master over this universe he has the power not only to heal sin but to forgive sin as well see that devil begins to spew out accusations that are embarrassing some downright shameful he continued with a list of charges to ensure that I would have no chance of ever being set free. Amen. The first charge, he began to pound on the gavel of the desk and say is he's charged with larceny. Amen. That's the unlawful act of taking and carrying away property without the ever in having the intent of returning it. Friend, I was guilty of keeping myself from the Lord. I was guilty of larceny. Through sin, I was doing what I pleased with something that didn't belong to me, my soul. Amen. So, so you say, I can't do anything I want to with my soul. Absolutely not. Ezekiel 18 and 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Friend, whether you've given your heart to the Lord or not, you belong to God. It doesn't matter if you're saved or lost. There's one creator and there's one mediator between God and man. It is the Christ, even the Son of the living God. There's no weapon that's formed against you that'll prosper because the mediator has torn it down. He has broken it and broken down the middle wall of partition between you and God. Larceny. I'd committed grand larceny because I'd set out to live my life the way I pleased without considering that the breath that is in my lungs God gave to me. God breathed into man and he became a living soul. It was God that gave me life and it's God that keeps me alive. Let me tell you something. You've been walking around Mr. Macho or Miss Macho saying that I'll do what I want to, when I want to, how I want to do it. You can't do that. The next breath that you have, it might be that it's gone from your 
body. Uh, we were talking to, sometime this week, uh, even to someone, I can't remember, maybe somebody preached it, or we were talking at the table, uh, and there was a preacher that was preaching. Brother Rocky Colley, and there were three boys in that church uh, sitting around at the back uh, laughing at him as he preached on hell. Uh, they were laughing uh, at everything he had to say. Uh, he tried to preach, uh, and they would not listen uh, after the service was over with. Uh, there were three boys sitting on the back, uh, and Pastor Colley went up to them uh, and he began to ask them, said, boys, uh, I don't know what you think you're doing. Uh, I'm trying to preach uh, on the severity of hell. Uh, you're back here laughing. They started snickering, uh, laughing again, uh, and one of them said, Preacher, uh, how far is it to hell? Uh, how long will it take me to get there? Uh, and Brother Rocky Cawley said, I don't know uh, how far it is to hell. Uh, those three boys uh, got in their car after that service, uh, and they drove just about a mile and a half, uh, missed a curve, uh, and ran into a tree, uh, and all three of them uh, went out into eternity, lost uh, and undone without God. Uh, amen. I don't know how far it is to hell, but for those three boys, it was about a mile and a half. It's God that gives you your grace and mercy and breath in your body. You don't take for granted what God has done. If he's given you an opportunity to get right, I would take it this very hour. The second charge is evasion. I was a fugitive on the run from God with no place to hide. Amen. It's amazing that what you do with your heart, you will eventually do with your feet. If you start running away from God in your heart, it won't be long until your feet are following hard behind your heart. Amen. What's going to happen? Evasion. David said, whither shall I go from my, thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to the heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. I, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me with my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Church, if you've been a fugitive on the run, you go to church but your heart is far away they said it in the book with your lips you do worship me but your heart is far from me church if you're evading him if you're cold and indifferent he's saying come home before the rapture takes place I'm going to be honest with you I'm going to be honest with you. I, I personally fully believe that Jesus is about to come. I don't know how to say that without it sounding cliche because men have said it for years, decades, centuries. But I can tell you now, there's no more prophecy to be fulfilled for Jesus to split the eastern sky. 
There's no more prophecy to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back again. Amen. I can tell you if you're on the if you're on the fence, if you're out, if you're cold in God. Amen. Let me tell you what that looks like. That to say, I, Pastor, I, Brother McDonald, I'm not backslidden. Let me ask you the question: Are you as close to God tonight as you were six months ago, or one year ago, or five years ago? Are you as on fire for God tonight as you were a year ago or five years ago because if you're not further even on fire for God than you were five years ago then you have slidden back talk to me church it is what it is we can't go forward and then go backwards it's backsliding Israel did that over and over and over again God would bless her she would come back to God get on fire have revival then she would go and worship in the grove she would go and worship at the god Molech and abort her babies just like we've been doing since 1972 church we cannot cry that we're holy 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 when our heart is evading and running away from god it's one thing to go through the motions in a church service it's another thing to live it out when nobody's looking. I've said this a hundred times over the years. You want to know who you really are? Who you really are is who you are when you're by yourself. When ain't nobody around. When there's nobody there but you. When there's no preacher to encourage you. When there's no pastor to keep you on the right road. Come on now. When your parents are not there. What you do when you're left to yourself. What you do when you're in that place where nobody's in view. That's who you really are. And I can tell you tonight, even the longer I preach, the more it's confirmed in my spirit. There's some evaders that are in this house tonight. Amen. We, I can tell you that this virus has been the best kept secret the devil's ever had for those that would backslide, for those that were always going away from God. This is the best thing since sliced bread. Come on, say amen. You're here on a Wednesday night for camp meeting, but there's a lot of folks that says, well, I can't go to church. I can't do this. Can't go to revival, but I can go to Walmart. I can put a mask on, go to every doctor appointment in that filthy hospital. I'm going to tell you, if you can go everywhere except church, you are an evader. I don't want want you to think I'm mad. Here's what I'm trying to do. I spend half of my pastoral ministry trying to break off the junk that the world has placed on my church folk. Amen. I do the most work trying to break off that lie that the devil has told the church. Amen. Church, if you can go everywhere, if you don't go anywhere, amen, you order your food from Amazon or Walmart, they bring it up to your house, leave it on the porch. If you stay in like a hermit, ain't nobody 
nobody saying nothing to you. I'm not talking about you. If you're trying to keep your health intact, ain't nobody fussing about that. Not at all. There's people that are vulnerable. I get it. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about that bunch that goes to every movie theater. They go to every ball game. Come on, somebody. You're talking to the wrong one tonight. I done been there down the road. They can promote everything but eternity. And church, when we stand before God, we will stand there guilty of evasion. I appreciate you shouting me down. The third charge, insurrection. What is insurrection? Basic rebellion. To live in sin is to live in rebellion. Every sinful deed is an act against God's will. You were created to live for God and to do his will. When we sin, it moves us in the opposite direction of the natural pull of God. Proverbs 17 and 11 says, An evil man, an evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent unto him. That person that looks after rebellion, the Bible says a cruel messenger will be sent unto him. When you're dealing with God, and God is dealing with you, and he's pulling on you, and he's giving you grace and mercy he's reaching for you giving you time I told you Monday night he even gave Jezebel space to repent he doesn't give up quickly on anybody and those of you that is about to deal with this cruel messenger it's only because you have forsaken the loving kindness the grace of God it might be you here or someone that's watching this video tonight but God is calling out for the last opportunity tonight with grace and mercy tomorrow it might be a cruel messenger that's coming your way hear me because God is pulling for that soul that's nearest hell the fourth charge perjury Perjury. I was a liar and a deceiver. I had deceived my own self that my way was the best way. Am I, am I preaching all right? Some of you saints know what I'm talking about, don't you? I tried to make myself believe that my way was the best way. Do you know that if you just Hang on to sin long enough, you can figure out a way to justify it. If you can hold on to it long enough, you can figure out a way to make yourself believe that I'm still right with God all the while I'm living in sin. There's people that will... I believe it was the blind girl. Um, the blind girl, Helen Keller, that said, there's no one so blind as the man that will not see. That soul that knows to do good and do, does it not to him, 
What is sin? It's a willful transgression of the law. Amen. To know to do right and to do it wrong on purpose, it's sin. Amen. Not just to do good and don't do good things. To know the will of God. To know the law of God. To know the plan of God. The mercy of God. The love of God. The forgiveness of God. And all of that is there for you to view. And you turn your back and you go the other way. God is pulling for somebody that has got so good at lying that you believe your own propaganda. Friend, when you get so good at telling a lie that you believe it yourself, that's when you'll be damned. Amen. Church, we must know that it is the truth that will make you free, not your self-justification, not saying that I'm right. Don't say I'm doing this because I was hurt, because I was offended, because I got put out. Friend, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, and the end thereof is destruction. But friend, there is a way that's right unto God, and the end thereof is eternal life. Fifth charge. Murder. Murder. Preacher, you've gone too far. I'm no murderer. This is the act of ruthlessly taking a life. Every time I walked out of an altar call or ignored it, with every sin I committed, I nailed Jesus to the cross afresh. I was the same as that Roman soldier, pounding the nails into his feet and into his head. Who was it that killed Jesus? Was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? Was it the Gentiles? Was it Caiaphas? Was it Pilate? Come on, who was it that killed him? Let me tell you, when Jalen testified, amen, I can tell you the thing that she saw was Christ inside of her. But before Jesus came in, amen, I can tell you that when we looked in the mirror, we were looking at the one that nailed Jesus to the cross. This Bible declares that from the foundation of the world, he was slain for sinners to be redeemed whenever he was slain from the foundation of the world. There wasn't even a human being that was on this planet, yet he knew that the greatest need of mankind was a redeemer. Amen. He knew the possibility of man to fall. He knew your chance to fail. He knew the possibility of you missing the mark. And he said, you know what? Before the devil gets in and lies to him in the garden, before he tells them to build a tower of Babel before Nimrod ever hunts men I'm going to make a way of escape I'm going to open up a way that they can find redemption even from murder the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 8 for by grace are you saved that not by works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. 
Colossians 2 and 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Peter said, when the law revived, amen, when the law came, sin revived and I died. Amen, the handwriting of ordinances are against us. Amen, the law, the letter alone killeth, but it is the spirit that giveth life. Friend, we have the letter of the law that says we should be damned into hell. Talk to me now. The letter of the law says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That letter of the law, he told Moses in Exodus, the soul that sinneth his name will I blot out of my book in that Old Testament an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth friend because we stole because we lied because we murdered we should be put to death and that's what we're guilty of and that's what we deserve but in walk our attorney hallelujah to God at the beginning of this service there was a devil making accusations against you and then here it is our turn we have a paraclete we have an attorney. He walked into the courtroom. He didn't pull out his legal pad, but he pulled out three rusty nails and he slammed them on the bench and declared they're not guilty. They're not guilty. He took on the sin of humanity. He took on the sin of this world. He took on your sin and my sin and declared us redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. Redeemed, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed. Without Christ, you will face every sin that you've ever committed and omitted. You'll stand before God you will stand before God and give an account of the deeds done in the body, whether they be bad or good. But when the blood covers your soul, Hebrews tells us that we have been granted entrance into the holy place by a new and living way. Hallelujah to God. We've been granted entrance into the very presence of God by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever he sees me today, he's not looking at my past. It's all been washed away by the blood of the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, they put blood on the sacrifice, excuse me, the blood of the sacrifice on the altar. It did not wash it away. It covered it over. It kicked the can down the road for one year at a time for Israel or to the next occasion of sin for the sinner. But church, when Jesus came, he said once and for all, he came and put his blood on the mercy seat. God is not looking at the blood of bulls and oxen and goats and but he's looking at the blood of the Lamb of God that will never, ever wash away 
he's inviting you home tonight. Brother McDonald, this is Wednesday night. This is the church folk. I'm telling you at 5.30 or 5.40, there's somebody that made a decision to come in this house tonight that's not right with God. Somewhere between 5.30 and 5.40, you said, I believe I'll just go on tonight. I believe I'll make it in. And God made it to where it might just be one or two. But you already know who you are. I could walk in this congregation, put my hand on your head. Am I going to do it? No. I'm telling you, God is reaching for you. I heard a story, stand with me. I heard a story years ago about a boy and his father that couldn't get along. They just couldn't see eye to eye. eye, to eye. His father said, if you don't straighten up, son, you can't stay here. You can't live here. Gave him another chance and blew it again. He said, son, you got to go. I hate it. His son had said, don't worry about me. I'm out of here. That son left. Went off. Started doing his own thing, drinking, carousing, women, you name it. But after about three years, the prodigal came to himself. For him, the jail cell sentence was not iron bars, but it was almost putting the husk of the swine in his mouth. He was almost eating the hog food that that Jew boy had no business even being around a home. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. prodigal came to himself and said it'd be better for me if I just went home and was a hired servant. My father's servants fare better than even I do. That boy that went away from his father, he stayed gone three years and he had spent every dime he could get living on the street, filthy, hungry. But he never would spend 25 cents because in that particular day that's what it cost to send a telegram he would never spend that quarter when he got to the lowest point of his life filthy stinking and dirty he went into the telegraph office and he sent a telegram to his father and he said father so sorry. I've been a fool. I've made enough money to get a ticket and send this telegram. 
I'll be on the train on this certain day. You know that we pass on the tracks by our home before we get to the station. There's an apple tree beside the tracks, Dad. If it's okay for me to come home, just put a white handkerchief tied on the bough of the apple tree. If there's no white handkerchief on the bough of the apple tree, I'll go as far as my ticket will take me and I'll never bother you again. That nervous, nasty, filthy boy got on that train. Didn't know what it was going to be when he came to his father's house. He began to talk to a boy on the train by him. And when he got close to the last hill before he went over, he would have been able to see the apple tree. He told his friend, would you please look? He had told him the story of what's going on. Would you please look and see if there's one handkerchief in the apple tree. His friend looked out the window and said, uh, you better look for yourself. He said, I can't do that. He said, it, it'll break my heart. He said, just tell me how it is. He said, I think you need to see this for yourself. You just need to get the answer for yourself. Finally, the boy reluctantly stuck his head out the window of that old train. When he looked out the side of that window, he saw that apple tree. It had a hundred white handkerchiefs and bed sheets that were white and quilts that were thrown over the side of the fence and a mama and a daddy that was waving, come on home. That prodigal son went home expecting a slap and got an embrace. Some of you thought you was going to get beat up tonight. But you've already been beat up enough. Why don't you come home to the embrace of the Father tonight? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I have preached a simple message tonight to a lost man or a lost woman. To someone that's cold, that's not where they once were. Tonight, Jesus, I'm asking you to deal with that heart. I'm asking you to bring conviction in that life. Come on, church, pray right now. Pray for deep conviction in this house. Pray with me. Pray with me. Plead the blood of Jesus right now over this house. You see, there are some people that are weighed in the balance and found wanting. I don't know how far hell is for them. But I don't want them to go there without hearing a man of God sounding the alarm before they go into eternity. I'm here pausing a count meeting message to reach for a soul tonight. Don't wait no longer. 
Nobody looking. Oh, McDonald, it's me. There's nobody looking, and I'm not going to call you out by yourself. I'm not going to single you out. We're all about to come to an altar. But I want to know that you know. You have, to, you have to say it to God. You've got to confess to him who you are, Jacob. You've got to tell him you're a sinner. Right now, while nobody's looking, if that's you, God's dealing with your heart and you're finally ready to come home. So if you hand that right back down. There you go. Yes, sir. There's one. I'm waiting on about three more. Hallelujah. There's one. Saints pray. You gotta pray. You gotta pray. I'm standing between you and hell tonight. Hallelujah. For three seconds, everybody in this house, open your eyes and look at me. For three seconds, look at me. Three seconds. One, two, three. Close your eyes. Look at me. Amen. In your mind. Now that preacher is going to be etched in your mind if you go into eternity. What you just saw standing on this platform tonight is a man of God begging you to get right with God, begging you to surrender. Amen. There's at least two or three more in this house. Saints, if you'll help me pray, I believe God will save them tonight. Come on, surrender. Amen. It's time to come home. It's time to get right with God. It's time to make it right before the rapture takes place. I've come tonight that you might have life and have it more abundantly, the Lord says. Hallelujah to God. It's me, preacher. It's me. I'm going to make it right with God. Now then, before we come to the altar, how about you, saints? You're not where you were a year ago. You're not where you were five years ago. You've cooled off. You've backed up. You're not where you once were, but you want to get it right with God tonight. Slip your hand up. That's me, preacher. That's me, preacher. There's hands all over this house. Uh, on three, we're coming to an altar. Get ready. Amen. Go on and get ready. Get your mind set. Uh, we're about to step out and march like an army down to this altar to give ourselves to God. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, come on. Uh, pour yourself in an altar uh, and begin to tell him, God, uh, I lay myself here tonight. Uh, I give you me. Come on, don't sit back. Everybody in the house. Everybody in the house. Come on. Let's find a place in this altar. Pour ourselves out before.